The gospel for this day comes from Mark 7, beginning at verse 1. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they noticed that some of his disciples, disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Jesus said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murdery, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All of these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What is something you have learned in the past year? I suspect you could pause here and spend the whole sermon time just coming up with answers to that. Maybe you learned to use Zoom or Microsoft Teams or FaceTime or some other method of having conversation online when you never imagined doing that. Maybe you learned to wear a mask without fogging up your glasses, although it's an ongoing challenge for many of us. Maybe you learned to make masks, or you learned to teach your child their math lesson, or you learned that you don't know how to teach your child their math lesson. Maybe you learned a new hobby like baking bread or gardening. Maybe you learned how much you miss other people when you can't safely be together. Maybe you learned that some of your relationships had cracks in them that were made wider by differences in the choices you've made about being vaccinated or staying home or changing other habits. And maybe, like me, you learned that one way to make sure you are washing your hands thoroughly enough is to sing happy birthday twice while standing at the sink. I freely admit I have never given as much thought to washing my hands as I have in the last 18 months which makes reading today's gospel story completely different than any other time I've encountered it before. Now, this isn't the most well-known passage in the world, so you may never have even heard it, but if you have, you've never read it in the midst of a global pandemic. 
you've never read it while carrying four bottles of hand sanitizer in your purse or while wearing a mask on your face to protect yourselves, yourself and others from spreading germs. Since March of last year, we have learned that washing our hands is high stakes business. It was high stakes business for Jesus and the religious leaders he's talking with today too, but for different reasons. It's easy to criticize the Pharisees and the scribes in the story and see them as out of touch and unnecessarily strict. But it's important to take a moment and understand why their conversation about hand washing was so important. The question for the Pharisees wasn't whether people were bad or good or whether or not following these hand washing and other laws and traditions made you a sinner. People followed dietary laws and traditions and ritual laws and traditions of all kinds to varying degrees. Some very closely and some not so much. But whether you followed all of that closely or didn't, that didn't make you a good person or a bad person. Instead, these laws and traditions were meant to help you prepare yourself to encounter God. How do we meet God? Under what circumstances are we most likely to meet God? What can we do to make it more likely that we'll recognize God or maybe that God will recognize us? Perhaps we no longer attach many dietary laws to those questions or worry too much about washing our hands in relation to them, but it's still high stakes business. Certainly it's part of why we worship, to encounter God, to be in a place or a time, in a space where we can pause for a moment in the midst of a chaotic and hurting world and engage in traditions and practices that we hope help us meet God. We follow these practices to varying degrees too. Some of us pray every day. Some of us struggle to pray at all. Some of us read scripture on Sundays, but make it, find it hard to make time for that in the rest of the week. Some of us miss singing with every beat of our hearts. And some of us were never that comfortable with singing in the first place. Some of us could say things like the Apostles' Creed or the Lord's Prayer in our sleep and some of us don't say parts of that even when they're printed in the bulletin or on the screen in front of us because we're not sure we agree with everything they say. There is room for a diversity of faith and practice in any community, and there certainly is here. But underneath it all, woven into all the things we do when we worship and the things we do when we're on our own, the ways we act when we are either coming to church or engaging in church, the ways what we act when we are being the church in the world in our daily lives, underneath all of that, we are still wondering and wandering around many of the very same questions the Pharisees were asking 2,000 years ago. How and when and where do we meet God? How do we get ready for that? 
What do we have to do to make it more likely? Is there anything we can be or do or not do to get ready? For the Pharisees and others, hand washing and dietary laws and other laws and traditions involving the body were a way to prepare for worship in the temple, the place where you expected to encounter God. And all these purity laws and practices were there because everyone anticipated that in the course of your ordinary life, you'd find yourself in impure situations. You would get dirty, either metaphorically or actually. So there were practices to cleanse yourself after things like working with livestock or menstruating or being with those who were ill or had died. None of those situations in and of themselves were bad, but they made you impure. And that made it inappropriate for you to worship at the temple. And that, in turn, lessened your chances of encountering God. Now, before you say, I'm sure glad we don't have those laws anymore, think again about how many rules the church has made over the years about who can worship and who can't, about who can be in leadership and who can't, about who is welcome as they are and who isn't. Maybe we haven't made laws exactly, although we have done that too, but traditions and practices can carry just as much weight, and the unspoken rules are the hardest ones of all because you generally don't know you've broken one of them until it's too late. Churches have said no to people because of gender, age, race, sexual identity, because they were too loud <laughs> or lived with a disability or spoke a language different from the majority. People have been unwelcome in churches because of the way they dressed or smelled, because they sat in someone else's chair because they stood or sat down at the wrong time or came up for communion in the wrong direction because their kids were too loud during the sermon or they laughed at the wrong moment in worship. The world is full of people who have been hurt by churches and you might even be one of them. The world is full of people who have been told they were not fit to encounter God. And so they walked away believing that was true. Because who else would know more about meeting God than the people who say that God is right here in the midst of us? If they say you're not fit, they must be right. It is high stakes business. It always has been. And Jesus never denies that. In fact, he knows the stakes are higher than most of us realize because to be told that you are not fit to encounter God as you are in all you are can cause damage beyond repair. The problem isn't the dietary laws or the purity traditions themselves. It's the deeply human ability to turn those laws and practices into barriers and closed doors. 
It's our ability to turn practices that were meant to help us meet God into conditions that other people must fulfill in order to meet God. It happens fast before we realize it. Most of us will deny that we ever meant to exclude anyone, but it happens more than we know. Which means this passage really isn't about the Pharisees at all, is it? The Bible never is about other people. Which is where we should start, because that's where Jesus starts. He tells the group, you are so careful about how you live and what you eat and the company you keep, but the danger is not outside of you, waiting to creep through your mouth or your hands. The real danger is inside of you, waiting to creep out into the world. If you want to meet God, start there with yourself instead of pointing your finger at everyone else. We worship in large part to encounter God. And when we do, we do all kinds of things that we believe help us with that. We pray, we listen, we tell our ancient stories and reflect on them. We share a meal. We receive the bread of life, which we believe is a direct meeting with God, the life of Jesus pressed into our hands. Everything we do as a church community, from worship and music to classes and small groups, from quilting and taking care of the building and giving away our resources and doing online worship and collecting supplies for refugees and teaching Sunday school and drinking coffee together. Everything we do as a community is a practice meant to help us encounter God to give us pathways that make that encounter more likely. That's good. All of it is good. All of it builds our capacity to recognize God. But if it ever turns into an obstacle course instead of a pathway, into a closed door instead of an open one, into a list of demands rather than opportunities, then Jesus is not going to let us get away with it. He is not going to let us argue about the rules for getting in here when the real work is about how we live out there. So those are the high stakes questions now. Do our faith practices open us up or shut us down? Do they make us curious and humble and kind or fearful, suspicious and self-centered? Are we building one another up or tearing each other down? Because we practice life as a church in order to live faithfully everywhere. Because God is waiting to encounter us everywhere. May we have the courage and patience and creativity and hope not to miss every chance we get. And to make sure that you at least begin by loving your neighbor. Don't forget to wash your hands. Amen.